Chair, staff is ready when you are. Okay, I'll call this meeting of the Sacramento Ethics Commission to order. It's April 25th at 5.32 p.m. And we'll start with the roll call. Thank you, Commissioner Adams. Present. Commissioner Gomez. Present. Commissioner Velasquez. Present. Vice Chair Ng. Present. And Chair Underwood. Present. Okay, and I am going to um, rearrange the order of the agenda. And before we take the consent calendar, I'm going to go to item number four, which is introduction of newly appointed commissioners. And I gather that um, Commissioner Adams and Commissioner Ng, whose terms had expired, have been reappointed. Congratulations. And we have a new commissioner, um, Commissioner Velasquez. So Commissioner Velasquez, maybe you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hello. So I am Nicole Velasquez. Uh, I've been with state for um, the last 11 years. I've got an HR background, um, mostly with the private industry. I currently um, was, so with the ethics mission, I'm interested because of I've that HR aspect, but also um, I've been working with um, inmate grievances. Um, so I, I go through training every week on techniques and tools for reviewing complaints and what things are legitimate, what things are not, and, and where they should go and that sort of thing. So I thought both of those things would be useful. And then um, it's just really interesting to me that those sort of things. Um, and that's pretty much it. Okay, and maybe, maybe the rest of us should just say a couple of things to introduce ourselves to Commissioner Velasquez. Um, so I'll start. Um, I've been on the commission since it was formed in 2018, I think. Um, I'm a lawyer. I graduated from UC Davis School of Law. And I'm now retired from the practice of law. Um, Vice Chair Ng. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I served on the commission uh, with uh, Chair Underwood and other commissioners uh, since its inauguration. And uh, I, I'm from District, District 7, representing set, uh, seat B. Uh, I am an enroll agent and uh, just like to keep myself busy and I'm also involved in many you know, the uh, community activities, particularly the Asian Pacific American um, activities. And I also represent that sector. I really look forward to continuing serving on the commission and working with my fellow commissioners to enforce those ethics, uh, ethics laws and policies and improve the processes. So welcome the new commissioner, uh, Nicole, and welcome. Thank you. Okay. Commissioner Adams. 
Hi, I'm Deanna Adams. I'm a lawyer as well, and I have been on the commission since inauguration back in 2018-2019. Um, I have been working with government for quite some time, so I'm currently with the Judicial Council of California, which is the policymaking body of the California state court system. And prior to that, I worked for um, a association that represented state legislatures, where I worked with the state of California, as well as states across the country, and also worked with local um, governments here in California. And Commissioner Gomez. Um, hi, Nicole. Nice to meet you and welcome to the commission. I'm now not the newest member. <laughs> um, I'll let you hold that title now. Um, my pronouns are she, they, and I currently work for the public health department here in Sacramento County um, and previously did um, anti-racism leadership development work, um, kind of tying into some HR pieces back in Baltimore City, and so kind of bringing different lenses to the Ethics Commission, and excited to have you with us. Thank you. Okay, wonderful. So now we can go to the consent calendar. Uh, we've got approval of the Ethics Commission meeting minutes, the Ethics Commission complaint log, and the Ethics Commission follow-up log. Um, we can consider and act upon them by one motion unless anybody wants to talk about any of them separately. Um, I was assuming that I would, um, I would uh, step out of the, um, this part of the consensus of the meeting minutes and the, and the, um, the logs, just because I'm not, I haven't been in any of the previous meetings. Okay. Um, does anybody want to discuss any of them or make a motion to approve them? Uh, I made a motion to approve. I'll second. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Com motion made by Commissioner Ng, seconded by Commissioner Adams. Mindy, can you call the roll? Thank you. Commissioner Adams? Yes. Commissioner Gomez? Yes. Commissioner Ng? Yes. Commissioner Velasquez? Are you recusing? Can, you can abstain if you want to. Yeah, abstain. Thank you. And Chair Underwood? Yes. Okay, so now, <clears throat> now we're on item five, which is receiving the independent evaluators report and conducting a hearing related to a complaint before the ethics commission and commissioner Velasquez again this is a continuation of the hearing that we um, started previously I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the file but um, anyway so this is like a separate hearing and I'll call this hearing to order um, on Monday, April 25th, 2022. We are gathered in Sacramento, California. This hearing is to address a complaint alleging misuse of public resources for private purposes against arts, culture and creative economy commissioner, Cecily Hastings. This hearing will be run in accordance with the Brown Act, the Sacramento Sunshine Ordinance, and the Sacramento Ethics Commission procedures. This hearing is being recorded by the city clerk. 
a quorum of the Ethics Commission is present. I would now like others in the room to identify themselves for the record. We'll start with Commission staff and the independent evaluator. Good evening. My name is Mindy Cuppy, the city clerk for the city of Sacramento. Hello, I am Gary Lindsay, counsel to the Ethics Commission. And I'm Stephen Miller, the independent evaluator. All right, now, <clears throat> now I would ask that if present, the respondent, as well as his, her representative, identify themselves for the record. Mindy, do we have any appearance by Commissioner Hastings or a representative? Um, yes, Chair, um, Commissioner Hastings is now joining us. Yes. Okay, so, um, can you identify yourself for the record? Yes, this is Cecily Hastings. Okay, welcome. Um, and I, I would ask if that the complainant identify themselves, but since the complaint was submitted anonymously, I gather that there's nobody appearing for the complainant. Is that correct, Mindy? That's correct. Okay, so we have a copy of the independent evaluator's first report that was um, presented to us back in February. And then we have a supplemental report that he did in, in response to our direction to go back and investigate further. And it's been publicly posted in accordance with commission procedures. Um, we have not received a written response from the respondent. So um, Commissioner Hastings, do you wish to submit a response at this time? Um, well, I think I have been unfairly targeted. Um, I think the investigation speaks for itself. Um, while you guys think that this person is a anonymous, I know who she is. She's harassed me personally in my business and our nonprofit for the last five years. So I, uh, I, I look forward to you um, um, accepting the report by the lawyer investigator. Thank you. Does anybody wanna ask any questions of Commissioner Hastings? Or maybe that'll come later. Um, we have received submittals from the public, um, from a group calling themselves the residents of East Sacramento, and they've submitted a collection of emails, um, dated March 4th, March 7th, April 18th, April 20th, and April 24th. Um, so those, uh, automatically become part of the hearing record. So the, ordinarily the hearing will be split into two parts. The structure of the hearing will be as follows. First, the commission will consider whether any violation of the Sacramento Municipal Code occurred. Commissioners may ask questions of the complainant. Well, except the complainant's not here. 
the respondent, the witnesses, and the evaluator when recognized by the chair. If, however, a commissioner is the complainant, which is not the case, so we don't have to say that, all testimony shall be under oath or affirmation. The commission may ask the city council to issue a subpoena compelling witnesses to appear. Um, the order of witnesses will be as follows. The independent evaluator will present his report. The respondent will then have an opportunity to be heard and present other evidence. And the commission may receive relevant testimony from other witnesses. But the commission may exclude any would-be witness at the commission's discretion with the concurrence of the city attorney. After the completion of all testimonies, the commission will receive public comment, if any. And so that's the first part. Then the second part is if it determines that a violation occurred, the commission will determine what, if any, enforcement action it may wish to take. So with that introduction, I would like to invite independent evaluator Stephen Miller of Hanson Bridget to present the evaluator's report. Do you Thank swear? Thank you, Chair Underwood. Yes. And sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you will provide, along with any evidence you submit, are the truth and nothing but the truth? I do. So Shall I proceed? Please. Okay, great. Sorry, didn't want to interrupt. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair Underwood. Good evening, Commissioners. Big welcome to new Commissioner Velasquez. Look forward to helping support you in your work on this commission. Um, uh, so as was described, there was an original complaint. Then uh, we submitted a report. The commission had a hearing on February 28th, at which point the commission directed us to review and address points raised in a February 27th email from the anonymous complainant. Uh, we have done so. We've prepared a supplemental report regarding responding to each assertion raised by the anonymous complainant. Um, you have my supplemental report. I'm not sure it's useful to go through each point one by one, um, but I'm happy to do so if you like or happy to answer any questions. I think I'll be brief. Uh, our recommendation continues to be that sufficient evidence does not exist to establish a violation of the ethics laws within the commission's jurisdiction um, and that the commission should therefore dismiss this complaint. Um, I, I understand that the anonymous complainant has submitted emails taking issue with that conclusion and suggesting that a more detailed forensic investigation is necessary. That is not my view as your independent evaluator, but of course, the commission may direct more investigation if it wants a deeper dive. And with that, I'm happy to stop here and take any questions. Does anybody have any questions? Yeah. Hearing none, um, the respondent may now make a statement and or provide evidence if desired. And I'll administer the oath to you. Can you turn on your camera, Commissioner Hastings, or no? Yes, let me, let me. Oops, I'm not sure why. There it is. Okay. There you are. 
Hello. <laughs> That's better than than talking to a sure. I'm sorry. A, a no black problem. a black box. All right. Um, do you swear or affirm that the testimony you will provide, along with any evidence you submit, are the truth and nothing but the truth? Yes, ma'am. Okay. You sort of made a statement before, but. Yes, I, I really appreciate the um, um, the job that uh, the investigating attorney did. He was very thorough. Um, of course, we had done nothing wrong and we had all the evidence to provide. Uh, I never at any time took advantage of the relationship between myself personally, my leadership role in our volunteer nonprofit, and my personal business in the city of Sacramento. At no time did I do that. And, you know, the records that we provided prove that. So I look forward to you dismissing this case and this continuing harassment by this complainant. Okay, does anybody have any questions of Commissioner Hastings? I just have a comment. Um, yeah, I think one of the themes that I've seen in some of the ethics work is just like the, um, the, uh, that it may not have uh, been causing an, like a breach of the ethics code, but it is sometimes things are viewed by the public as being um, like, cause in the report it says the close relationship between the two entities creates an appearance of, appearance of impropriety. So just something for like, to keep in mind uh, that we appreciate you, like your transparency and providing information around it because to the public, you know, given the close relationship of those two organizations, um, increased transparency is always helpful. So that way um, there's not uh, other conclusions drawn um, without, without that transparency. Well, to, to be honest, the complainant, who's a former neighbor of mine, uh, she has complained uh, publicly to the city of Sacramento. She's complained about us to our city council person, the mayor in emails. Um, she has never once approached myself or my partner, Lisa, who ha have our email and phone number and knew everything about me. I was her neighbor for two years. And so we never had any opportunity to answer any direct questions from her. We would have been open with her if she had approached us and saved all this time and energy. But when someone's determined to hide behind their anonymity to, to hurt someone else unfairly, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. I would have sat down with her anytime over the last 10 years, but I didn't have an opportunity. Okay, does anybody else have questions or comments? I, I do have a comment. Okay, Commissioner Ng. Yes, and I do agree with Commissioner Gomez and uh, also Mr. Miller's on item D, which is the transparency and, and you know, about public perception. Okay, and and I appreciate Ms. Miller's due diligence to paint a really great pictures and walk us through this process. So I appreciate that. And my other comment is, 
you know, uh, Commissioner Hastings lease seems to be on the low side, um, particularly, you know, in McKinney Park. I mean, this is just my own opinion, okay? It does not represent the commission's opinion. Now, McKinney Park is being a very, very desirable neighborhood. So her lease seems to be, you know, the, the, the lease payment seems to be on the low side. Now, after, you know, particularly after the renovation. So, you know, I mean, I just want to make this comment and it doesn't, you know, constitute any, any judgment against um, Commissioner Hastings, and this regard. Okay, Mr. Miller, you had your hand up. Yeah, so little unusual. Um, I, I just received an email from purporting to be from the complainant just seconds ago, and uh, I guess I'd like some direction from the city attorney what I should do with that email. Well, given that you are not the city clerk, I would not consider it, uh, that's the city clerk's position, that's not yours. I would not consider it received by the commission just because it was received by you and was not part of uh, your report. That'd be a pretty bad precedent <laughs> to start that all of a sudden er everyone in the sun is getting emails randomly instead of the city clerk to constitute receipt by the uh, commission. Thanks. Does the email indicate that it was also sent to the city clerk or just to you? Uh, it's hard to tell. Looks oh. like it was probably just to me. So, okay. so I imagine um, whoever is listening, um, whoever sent you that email, Mr. Miller will be emailing um, Mindy, uh, the city clerk here really soon. And then we'll still have to make that decision. Well, unless we're finished with the hearing by then. Um, so is there any member of the public who has um, it requested? Looks like Commissioner Adams has their hand up. Just oh, I'm sorry, Commissioner Adams. I'm just thinking of, of this conversation and going back with the city attorney mentioned as far as setting a precedent in, in terms of accepting a public comment and knowing that this complainant, though anonymous, has sent um, documents um, you know, leading up to this, including earlier today, and there is a public comment, um, you know, I, I think if it's something that has come in through the public comment process and the other process you set forth, then it's something we should consider. But as far as, you know, setting a precedent of how these hearings are conducted moving forward, if we're just allowing complaints and, and other information coming in as the hearing is taking taking place and it's outside of the parameters. I, I would be concerned if it would be sort of creating a situation where it's just that he says she said and we're sort, sort of stuck in the middle and not able to move forward. Um, you know, I, I would say just and I know we're not at this part of the hearing yet, but just as far as what is within the purview of the commission and what has been articulated so far um, from the complainant um, there is a lot that is being added to the conversation that is beyond our scope. So what would be a value for our time to receive added information if it's beyond what we can actually rule upon? That's a good point. Commissioner Velasquez. 
Did, Sorry, did you... I'd like to piggyback on what uh, Commissioner Deanda said. Um, Deanna said, uh, and I was hoping to actually bring this up at a later time once I got more familiar with the process. Um, in in my grievance field currently, um, there a complaint is submitted, and the evaluation investigation is done. Anything beyond that, whatever decision is made, is is finalized for that for that grievance. If the complainant uh, disagrees, they would then file an appeal. So there isn't a constant roundtable and emails of conversations. Once you submit, if you submit a grievance and then, oh, I have more information, that would be another grievance. So there's not a continuous, like I said, roundtable back and forth because now it's getting very, even just the, um, the documents that were posted to review, I, it was very confusing for me to be able to differentiate the original claim from all of the emails. And some of those emails even looked duplicative. Um, so it was just sort of a virtual pile of papers. So I would like to have that discussion in the future on, on how we can maybe, if you're interested at all in, in streamlining this. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons, and uh, Commissioner Hastings, I know your hand is up, but I just want to respond. One of the reasons that this seems a little like there's a lot piling on top of each other is that Mr. Miller did present a report to us back in February. And at that point, we didn't feel we had enough information to make a decision. And so we directed him to go back and do more investigation. So now here we are again with his new report um, and, the, and new, more emails from the anonymous complainant. So, um, okay, Commissioner Hastings. Uh, thank you. Uh, that's, that's my point exactly. This was brought up once, investigated, went to the, uh, a hearing, and then at the last minute, last time, it was, I think, 40 pages of a more additional comments and criticisms came back, and, and um, Attorney Miller was asked to go back and take a look at that, and now and he, he didn't change his position. And now he's come again with the same um, um, judgment and to dismiss. And it, it's just starting over again. And this is just, you know, I, one other thing I want to remind everybody that was made at the first hearing and hasn't brought up at this one, you know, the, the issue is between the city of Sacramento and the Friends of East Sacramento, anything regarding rent um, and, and the lease agreement that Friends of East Sacramento has with the city of Sacramento. The relationship that my business has inside Sacramento in, co in leasing a co-working space is between my private business and the Friends of East Sacramento nonprofit. If we were charged $1,000 a rent, which we were for our five uh, small workstations, then that's $1,000 that goes to the Friends of East Sacramento. If we were charged $5,000, that $5,000 would go to Friends of East Sacramento. If we were charged $5, that $5 would go to the Friends of East Sacramento. None of this involves a relationship or any cheating has been alleged 
to the city of Sacramento. This is a very, you know, a narrow window and it's just gotten so wide and, and sweeping and brought in all these other things. And I don't believe that that's really fair to spend all this time on something that's not really even, you know, something that's within your purview from what uh, attorney Miller said. Okay, does anybody else on the commission have anything? All right, we can now take public comment from any member of the public. Um, Mindy, is there any public comment? Chair Underwood, I show no hands raised to make public comment on this item. Okay. All right, well, public comment is now closed. Now is the time for the commission um, to discuss whether a violation has occurred. So first, do I have a motion to receive the independent evaluators report? From anybody, we need to, re to receive the report and then decide what to do with it. A motion to okay. receive the evaluators report. I'll second that. Okay. Mindy? Commissioner Adams? Yes. Commissioner Gomez? Yes. Commissioner Ng? Yes. Commissioner Velasquez? Yes. And Chair Underwood? Yes. Okay, so now we've received the evaluator's report. And so the next step is to pass a motion regarding what the next step is. We could either, again, direct the evaluator to conduct further investigation. We can adopt a resolution finding that sufficient evidence does exist to establish a violation. A resolution finding that sufficient evidence does not exist to establish that a violation occurred or the fourth option would be refer the complaint to some other government agency. Um, I put a motion that sufficient evidence does not exist or what was the rest of the sentence for the- To establish that a violation occurred. Okay, to establish that a violation has occurred. And just to like piggyback off of the comment that Commissioner Hastings noted, we're, at least for me, you know, I'm coming back to the top of the, of um, uh, Mr. Miller's report, did Commissioner Hastings receive any personal benefit from the use of city resources controlled by Commissioner Hastings in her capacity as the co-founder and president of the nonprofit entity Friends of East Sacramento? So um, again, I want to move forward a motion that sufficient evidence does not exist to establish that a violation has occurred. Okay. And ordering that the complaint be dismissed? Um, yes. Okay. Do I, is there a second? I second that. Okay, Madam Clerk. Thank you, Chair. That was a motion by Commissioner Gomez and a second by Commissioner Adams. Commissioner Adams? Yes. Commissioner Gomez? Yes. Commissioner Ng? Yes. Commissioner Velasquez? Uh, I apologize, I have to abstain. I have, I, I'm not up to speed on this. And Chair Underwood? Yes. The motion passes. Okay. 
So thank you all. No violation has been found. I now close this hearing at 6.04 p.m. Thank you, Mr. Miller. Thank you. All right, now, do, no, we don't have to conduct a certification. So that's done. Now we can move on to the next one. Thank you, Commissioner Hastings, for appearing here. All right, now we have another hearing regarding City Council Member Katie Valenzuela. And this hearing is called to order on Monday, April 25th, 2022 at 6.04 p.m. We are gathered in Sacramento, California. This hearing is to address a complaint alleging misuse of public funds for political purposes in violation of the Sacramento, Sacramento Municipal Code chapters 4.02 and 4.04 against Sacramento City Council member Katie Valenzuela. This hearing will be run in accordance with the Brown Act, the Sacramento Sunshine Ordinance, and the Sacramento Ethics Commission procedures. This hearing is being recorded by the city clerk. A quorum of the Ethics Commission is present. I would now like the others in the room to identify themselves for the record starting with the commission staff and the independent evaluator. Good evening, Chair. My name is Mindy Cuppy, City Clerk for the City of Sacramento. Good evening, I'm Gary Lindsay, Counsel to the Ethics Commission. Stephen Miller, Law Firm of Hanson & Bridget, Independent Evaluator. All right, now I would ask that if present, the respondent as well as her representative identify themselves for the record. Chair Underwood and Commissioners, my name is Mindy Cuppy, City Clerk. Uh, Katie Valenzuela, Sacramento City Council member, could not attend this evening due to a conflict with the Sacramento Regional Transit Board meeting, which she, she's a board member. Okay. Now I would ask that if present, the complainant, as well as his representatives, identify themselves for the record. Chair, I'm, um, the complainant is joining us now. Uh, good evening, Madam Chair, members of the commission. I'm Steve Maviglio. I filed the complaint. Okay. All right, we have a copy of the independent evaluator's report, which has been publicly posted in accordance with commission procedures. We have timely received the respondent's written response on April 18th, 2022, which was at least 72 hours before today's hearing and has automatically become part of the hearing record. We have not received any submittals from the public. Ordinarily, the hearing will be split into two parts. The structure of the hearing will be as follows. First, the commission will consider whether any violation of the Sacramento Municipal Code occurred. Commissioners may ask questions of the complainant, each respondent, the witnesses, and the evaluator. If, however, a, commi oh, if a commissioner is a complainant, but that's not the case. All testimony shall be under oath or affirmation. 
The commission may ask the city council to issue a subpoena compelling witnesses and provide testimony. The order of witnesses will be as follows. The independent evaluator will present his report. The respondent will then have an opportunity to be heard and present other evidence. The commission may receive relevant testimony from other witnesses, but the commission may exclude any would-be witness at the commissioner's at the commission's discretion with the concurrence of the city attorney. After the completion of all testimonies, the commission will receive public comment, if any. So Mr. Miller, the floor is yours. Okay, good evening again. Um, it's my practice to make these oral reports brief and I'll try and follow that practice here too, although this matter is a bit twisty and tricky, um, but I will try and uh, give a sort of a high level overview and then we can discuss or answer any questions that you may have. Uh, a complaint was filed on February 17th, 2022, alleging that council member Katie Valenzuela violated municipal code section 4.02.030 prohibition against the use of public resources for personal benefit. Uh, the facts at issue in the complaint involve the presence on council member Valenzuela's District 4 city-run website of a logo, and the complaint included pictures of that same logo in what appeared to be campaign signs and also on campaign social media posting. The complaint uh, raises the issue of whether Council Member Valenzuela misused the city's resources, i.e. its website, for personal benefit by a campaign activity rather than for the benefit of the public and the city. Um, what seems like a straightforward, common sense question is actually a pretty complicated, tricky one and hinges on a purely legal question of whether the logo is a campaign communication as courts interpret that concept. Um, and our report tries to explain the complexities of following the breadcrumbs to answer that question. Um, the starting place is that there's no law on the municipal code itself, 4.02.030, and the city attorney's office told me that they have not opined on its meaning. Um, there is a similar law in the government code that might be instructive by analogy in parallel. That's government code section 8314. And 8314, in turn, relies on the definitional scheme of what constitutes a, quote, expenditure, which is defined in a different section of the government code, section 82025. Um, under that scheme, to constitute an expenditure as defined, and therefore to be campaign activity under section 8314, and therefore maybe by parallel analogy to also be prohibited by the municipal code, activity must be a communication that uses language of express advocacy. And, and courts are very protective of First Amendment rights in the election context and only uphold restrictions on campaign activi activity if, that, if it is express advocacy, including words like vote for, elect, support, Smith for Congress, express advocacy terms that are not in the logo at issue here. So because the logo doesn't contain words of express advocacy, we cannot say as a matter of law that the logo is campaign activity that's prohibited by the government code. And because it's not campaign activity prohibited by the government code, 
Um, we can't say that placing the logo on the city's website violates municipal code section 4.02.030. Um, I'll say three last things and then I'll, I'll stop. The first is one could ask, well, you know, this is an overly legalized analysis just because it's not campaign activity. Why can't we nonetheless just find that the use of the logo is for a prohibited personal benefit? And I think the issue here for me as your independent evaluator is that the facts of the logo do not suggest any personal benefit outside the context of a campaign activity. If you take away that campaign connection, this is really no different from just putting a snapshot of yourself on vacation on the, on the city's website or just the name of the council member. Um, there's no fact suggesting any kind of financial benefit to council member Venezuela apart from the campaign context. Um, and there is no, uh, again, taking out that campaign context, there's no real way to uh, ascribe the use of the logo to that of personal benefit that would trigger easily section 4.02.030. Second thing I'll say is that I understand that the complainant, Mr. Miviglio, is, um, I don't know what the word is, concerned, annoyed, upset, perhaps, that I didn't reach out to interview him as part of my investigation. Um, so the, investi the, com the commission's rules that it adopted do not require that I interview anyone in particular besides the respondent. For due process reasons, I always interview the respondent. But otherwise, uh, it's up to me as your evaluator in my judgment to decide who I need to interview in order to be able to present my report to you. And in my judgment, the matter here was really entirely a legal issue. There are no disputed facts. In fact, there's no real facts to discover besides those that the complainant clearly and very well put forth in the complaint itself. Um, so there was no need for me, in my judgment, to talk to the complainant to be able to uh, ascertain the facts I needed to um, carry out my investigation and draft my report. It's not an issue of of bias in favor of one person or another. It's just what do I need to be able to conduct my investigation? And then the last thing I'll say is that the complainant has suggested um, uh, that you reject my recommendation and instead take action to address what the complainant identifies as his, what he thinks are some underlying important issues that need to be resolved. Um, and I'll just point out that there is absolutely nothing inconsistent with um, the complainant's concerns in his email and my report. My, my task is to apply the facts in a complaint to existing law and recommend whether those facts amount to a violation of the ethics law within your jurisdiction. In, in this case, my recommendation is that those facts do not amount to a violation of the ethics law, but there's no reason why you might not accept that recommendation that the facts don't amount to a violation and still want to discuss whether the facts warrant some additional discussion along the lines of what the complainant may, may, may have identified. Um, so with that, uh, that's my presentation. Um, uh, just to sum it up, I recommend that the Ethics Commission find that sufficient evidence does not exist to establish that a violation of the ethics law has occurred. And consequently, I recommend that the Ethics Commission dismiss this complaint. With that, I'm happy to take your questions and I'll look forward to discussion. Okay, I have a question that the respondent submitted this letter to us dated April 18th, 
saying that she is not going to use the logo anymore on her city website. Um, do you think that makes any difference? So I think that would make a difference if the commission were to find that a violation had occurred under your rules and common sense, the nature of any penalty you might enforce depends upon what kind of remedial action or depends in part at least, or could depend in part on remedial action that the respondent might take like the decision not to uh, include that anymore. But in terms of the legal question of whether uh, the use of the logo on the website violates the ethics law. It does not make any difference to me. On the date I submitted the report, I checked the website and the logo was still there. It was there on the date that the complainant filed the complaint. And so my conclusion does not at all rest on the remedial nature of the complainant, excuse me, the respondent's following action. Okay, thank you. Does anybody else have any questions of Mr. Miller? I see no hands. Um, are there any other witnesses besides Mr. Maviglio? Mindy, has anybody else indicated an interest in speaking? Um, Chair, I show no hands raised for members of the public to make public comment. Okay. So, Mr. Maviglio, did you want to make a comment? Yes, your hand is up. Yes. And uh, just clarification, Madam Chair, do I have just uh, the clerk indicated to me I just have the two minutes allotted to every member of the public. Is that accurate? You have two minutes plus answering any questions we may have. Okay, I'll race as fast as I can, and she's been kind enough to um, be able to put up some graphics as well. So, uh, many of you just pop them up as I'm speaking. I think it'll be clear. Okay, I got to run fast. So, just so you know, I've run campaigns for mayor and city council in Sacramento, and also on the state and federal level. I've also been a staff member in the in the state capitol and in Congress. And the first thing you learn in any of these jobs is that you don't use anything in your campaign for official purposes, and you can't use anything in your official office for the campaign. But that's exactly what this council member did. As the report found, her logo was paid for and utilized by her political campaign. And as the report also indicates, she continues to use the logo, quote, for her personal and political purposes. This is a major break in the wall between political and official business. And apparently the council member now realizes that as she stated, she will stop the practice. As the evaluator notes, it's, it's quote, not clear if a logo was being used for campaign purposes. Well, then why is it on every sign and every piece of campaign literature that the council member has? It doesn't need those magic words of vote for, whether it's Trump 2020 or simply the word Bernie, those are campaign materials asking for people's votes. And I would like to ask the clerk to show some of the current city council candidates. None of those candidates use the word vote for, and they all have official logos that they because of the, what the, Mr. Miller calls twisted logic here, can use on their city websites. And that's not the way it should be. So the question for you tonight is, do you do nothing? Do you allow this to continue? You can't do it at the state level. You can't do it at the federal level. And even the clerk and Mr. Miller agreed that this is a very fuzzy area. So I would recommend that you take this opportunity because I will file this complaint against anybody who does this because it's wrong. The public deserves to know what's political and what's official. 
and there shall not be a mixture of those two things. And the gap in the municipal code, which Mr. Miller has pointed out, allows it. So I would appreciate this commission moving forward with some kind of ordinance to recommend to the council to approve that makes things very clear for the council members, for the public, and for the clerk. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for your comments. So I'll ask you, Mr. Maviglio, the same question I asked Mr. Miller. Does the fact that um, council member Valenzuela has now removed this sign from her website, does that make any difference to you? Yes, I think that's a very positive step, step and I would guess that she had independent counsel to advise her to do so. I, in fact, reached out to the former legal counsel of the FPPC and asked him about this, and that's why I moved forward with the complaint. He believes that it's personal use. He disagrees with an, Mr. Miller, an attorney, and you know, not for nothing, but he was you know, legal counsel of the FPPC, and maybe that's the adequate place, to the proper place to address this. But again, it just shows that there's a gap here, and if you just saw what was flashed before you, this is gonna come up again and again and again. And, you know, what if the logo had a ballot box in it that doesn't use the words vote for, but it's expressed for, you know, electoral purposes. So I'm a little dazed and confused about pointing to having the words vote for as being the only measure uh, of what is political and what's official. I think that's inaccurate. So what would you like to see the commission do at this point? I, I would ask that the commission do a little more research perhaps employ Mr. Miller a little bit more <laughs> and, and see what can be done so that this, as the clerk pointed out, the graphics code, some of the other materials for the website that city councilors use have very clear definitions that you can't use any kind of election logo or anything you used in an election on that site. I think that's pretty clear. If you look at some of the sites or the other councilors, I, I think the only one that seems to come close is uh, council member Ashby who uses the same type and logo of her name there, but she has her own site apparently not hosted by the city. When you click on her site, it goes to her private site. Mm -hmm. um, I know that council member Vang uses a, a hashtag called heart and hustle. That was her campaign theme. She uses that for city business. I think that's a little dicey too. But again, you know, there, as he pointed out, there's no clear indication to these city candidates and the clerk, God bless her, must have a hard time telling these city council members what to put on and what not to put on because there's no clear guidance. So I think if the commission did a little bit of research, maybe look around at what other communities do, what the state does, just to make it crystal clear for the public and for these city council members, what's political and what's not, what can be used, what's not. So I think that would go a long way. Certainly would make me happy and I'm sure it would relieve the city council member of a lot of headaches and the clerk. Okay, uh, Commissioner Gomez. Um, so just to make sure I understand potential action. So um, we, we could lead to say that the complaint does not lead to a violation of ethics law, but I'm wondering within the juris it, and like within our jurisdiction of like our responsibilities, can we make any uh, like next steps or anything on s the other items that Mr. Maviglio mentioned, like social media and graphics policies? Cause I know that that's, that area was something that Mr. Miller noted in his report was kind of like unclear in terms of this case. Like, is that even something that we have the jurisdiction to do? This, this is a council, Gary Lindsay, uh, Commissioner Gomez. Yes, 
the four actions can be done in combination. You don't have to do just one singularly, depending on the situation. And these four actions have to do particularly with this particular complaint. That does not mean that you cannot later as a commission outside of this particular meeting, choose to raise those issues um, and consider them in a separate meeting and also potentially recommendations to the city council as to where, how to proceed as far as suggested um, new policies. Thanks. Okay. Commissioner Velasquez. I'm not sure if this is um, the right frame of um, the hearing, but I'm just gonna put it all out there and you can tell me if I'm in the wrong spot. <laughs> um, first, I wanna start with um, Mr. Miller's uh, comments and, and evaluation. Um, as I mentioned before, I review uh, grievances, um, law enforcement, uh, grievances of inmates on law enforcement. Um, and interviews is not um, a given. Interviews is not standard procedure. If the, um, if the evaluating officer has enough information and enough resources to make an educated and analytical decision, they can do so without conducting interviews. Um, uh, I agree with Mr. Miller about, since this is a logo, there isn't much to um, kind of um, argue about since it's not something that you, you can't pick it apart too much. Um, I think that with, in this case, there is, I, I understand your concern, um, Mr. Meviglio. Um, I understand your concern, especially in today's climate about um, influence and influencing voters. Um, I think honestly that this was just a careless and naive, just a poor choice. I don't, I don't personally believe it was intentional, but I do think that the, it's possibly um, a staff failure to raise the question while they had used the logo for both um, office and campaign. I think someone in her office failed her in, in that sense. Um, and when I, um, I don't think she was admitting misuse when she sent a message that she would take it down. I think she's probably recognizing, and I don't, I can't speak for her. You can't speak for her. Um, but I think she's probably recognizing, you know what, it's not worth it. I don't want it to be an issue. I'll just change it. Um, when I, this, uh, for this commission position, I probably went through an, um, one or two interviews. I got passed up on the first time. And the first uh, round went to someone um, who had a thick training background. And what was discussed in that, um, that um, uh, um, discussion to, to, for that position was that that person, the lead person who was um, on, the, on the highest, probably number one candidate, had a training background that could benefit the executive level um, officers, like I said, executive level staff, to educate them on different areas of what, how to conduct yourselves as an executive. These are things that look out for conflict of interest, all of that. I would like, um, if they are still going in that direction, to come up with a training for the executive level staff um, to add this sort of thing to that training. Um, I think somebody like Angelique Ashby is very seasoned 
she knows what she's doing. She knows what things to look out for. Maybe Katie Valenzuela, not so much. I don't think she's been in the game as long as um, Angelique Ashby has. So I think that would be something to, to consider. Okay. Um, anybody else have any questions or comments? I have my Commissioner Adam. And yeah. it's, I, I would say I also have something along the lines um, to state um, as the previous commissioner, but I don't want, to, if, if we want to reserve those conversations for um, a later part of the, um, of the hearing, I will reserve, uh, reserve my comments for then. But if you want to jump into the conversation now, I will continue. Right. I realize now that I didn't put um, the evaluator under oath for this hearing, but I, you were still under oath from the last hearing, I would say. So I feel comfortable with that. Um, if the city attorney thinks I need to re-administer the oath, and re-administer and he can affirm that all this testimony so far that he's given was um, was accurate. Okay. So Mr. Miller, do you swear or affirm that the testimony you have provided along with any evidence you submitted are the truth and nothing but the truth? I do. Great. I'm having I trouble. My comment my that Mr. Maviglio was similarly unsworn, so... Uh... Yes. Well, he was making a public comment, but... Um, ah, well, I'm just giving him a hard time. It, it does say I no to... <laughs> in, in my little cheat sheet here, it says that public comment is not, does not have to be under oath. So um, that's, I guess that's the, the benefit of... I mean, they're all, they're limited to two minutes, but they don't have to be under oath. However, if you want me to administer an oath to you, I can do that. He just disappeared. But no, that was public comment, Chair. This is Gary Lindsay. Right. Also, but there's no need in that regard. Right. Okay. So now we're up to discussion and deliberation. Um, public comment is now closed. So we have to discuss whether a violation occurred. And first we need to have a motion to receive the independent evaluators report. Commissioner Adams, you had something you wanted to say. I put my hand up before you mentioned what we had to do first. So I will uh, move to receive the independent evaluators report. And then I will re-raise my hand a bit later once we are up to discussion, but I, I move. Um, for okay. the, accept the um, evaluator's report. Do we have a second? I'll second that. Okay. Mindy? Commissioner Adams? Yes. Commissioner Gomez? Yes. yes. Commissioner Ng? You're muted. <laughs> Just do the thumbs up. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> Commissioner Velasquez? Yes. And Chair Underwood? Yes. The motion passes. Okay. So now 
we get to discussion because um, we have we have to choose among one one or more of the following four actions. We could direct the evaluator to conduct further investigation. We could adopt a resolution finding that sufficient evidence exists to establish that a violation occurred and adopt a resolution finding that sufficient evidence does not exist to establish that a violation occurred or refer it to another governmental agency. Is it so? Is anyone interested in in? So let, um, let me ask you: How does this work? If because I'm interested in finding that there's no fault, but also a caveat to this needs to because this is going to happen again with somebody else. Um, is is anyone interested in in having this put into some kind of um, handbook? Can we can we share this information with the other? Is, is there another commission that uh, deals with, or a, an office that deals with this? Go ahead. This is Gary Lindsay, counsel to the commission, uh, Commissioner Valenzuela. You can, I think, what you're mentioning has has two facets. One is dealing with the matter before us, which you could do one of the four, one or more of the four actions, and then what you referred to as far as potential for handbooks, that kind of thing. That might be uh, best served by a separate meeting on the issue of use, for instance, use of the logos, that sort of thing on the city website and whether or not the uh, commission, which has the authority to do, would wanna make any recommendations to the city council as far as potential changes in city policy in that regard, but that would be a, a separate meeting. Now, Commissioner Adams, you did have your hand up before. Do you still have something? I do, and, and reviewing this complaint over, you know, over last week and over the weekend, and then reading the um, correspondence that came in earlier today by the complaint. And yeah, I was thinking a lot about just political branding and how much it has changed over the years, you know, whereas political branding 10 years ago was not necessarily seen or construe the same sentiments um, within um, the, the community as it, you know, you know, as it starts to, and I think back in 2008 is whenever people with the Obama hope, whenever that started, um, happening and people really started to digest how people are branding themselves and making the connection between seeing this logo and in their mind thinking this is something that you know I, I need to get out and you know vote or get out and, and be involved in some other political activities. I think um, you know we've all seen beginning in 2016 to present that it has been amplified and there is a lot of concern even if there is no um, it's not specifically mentioned um, in, in the municipal code and just looking at the dates in which the two um, documents, the social media document and the logo document, I believe it's 2013 and 2016 on those, those have all been updated in a way that hasn't kept pace with the use of, of branding, uh, political branding, as well as the use of social media and how people are going on social media and really using that to sort of understand how they want to be involved civically. Um, I, I would say in continuing my my 
thinking of this, I also started to look at how the logo itself, not just the words that are on the logo, not, not even just the pictures, but how everything comes together and sort of shapes how people are interpreting the logo. And with the proximity of, of um, the font choices, they may not be the exact font, but they're very close to it. The color scheme is very similar to the city color scheme. There's a lot there where, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful political logo, but it, it can cause interruptions in public trust and really differentiating what is being used to signify the city and the city's position and what is being used to, to signify the personal usage of it with personal activities. So as I'm looking at this, you know, I would say I definitely support having the conversation in the future about how we may want to recommend updated policies um, or have the city to update their policy, you know, knowing we're the ethics commission, we're not in the business of branding, but being able to make that charge to ensure that there are clear ethical lines there, um, I, I think is definitely needed. Um, and I would say that I, I agree with, um, with Commissioner Velasquez in that I, I don't think there was any you know, malice or, you know, any intention to use the logo inappropriately by the council member. But at the same time, ethics, a violation of ethics doesn't necessarily have to be rooted in the intent to violate ethics. If the ethics are violated, they are violated, whether there's the intent or not. Um, I know that's not necessarily a fair system, but, you know, for, for ethics, that's, you know, in, in many cases, what needs to be considered. So I, I wanted to, to add that to the conversation, and I know there are other hands up, so I will um, yield the floor for the moment um, so other commissioners can chime in. Okay, Commissioner Ng. Yeah, uh, well, thank you. You know, I also, you know, I, I too agree with the other commissioners. You know, I often thought that we, we need to separate our, our duties. You know, public trust, we've been talking about public trust, public perception. You know, these two cases are all about public perception. So um, to make it short, you know, I, I do, you know, I, I do agree. We need to look at this, uh, you know, later on. But, and I, I often regard it like the political part, we should separate from the business part. You know, and I understand even city officials or state officials, you know, one cannot talk about the campaign or even use you know, their office or any, any other things for campaign purposes. So they have a separation right there. So um, this one is concerning me too, but um, since, uh, since the city council woman has um, removed that, so I, I think I accept that I'm okay with it as long as she's aware that it's gonna be a conversation in the near future. Yeah. This makes me want to ask the city attorney, is there any way, if we adopt a resolution finding that sufficient evidence does not exist to establish a violation, could we still put in our resolution some kind of language about um, you know, using logos or, or a policy. I mean, like if we were at court, we could write an opinion, which would then have some kind of 
presidential value. Obviously, we're not a court, but um, it would be nice if we, I, I mean, I don't know how we're gonna vote, but it sounds like maybe we're gonna vote that there wasn't a violation, but we could still say, however, you know, this is an area of some concern to us. Can we do something like that in our resolution or does it have to be a separate procedure? Chair, you theoretically you could do that. I, from what I gather from uh, what's been said by other commissioners, ultimately this sounds like something that um, the overall issue of the use of logos, city policy, that kind of thing would best be served if you could offline speak with Mindy about having it agendized as a separate meeting so that you can have the entirety of the meeting to focus specifically on not just what's been raised with um, Councilmember Valenzuela, but even broader any and all concerns having to do with the um, use of city website, social media, that kind of thing. Maybe even if you want to create an ad hoc committee related to it to do a deep dive and then ultimately see if the commission is of mind to have recommendations for the city council as far as updates to the social media policy or create you know, some other policy that might need to be created coming out of this. I see Commissioner Velasquez's hand is up, but also the city clerk's hand is up. And I don't know, um, Madam Clerk, did you want to respond to what Gary Lindsay said or? Yes, should... yes. Thank you, Chair Underwood. Um, if I may, under commission comments, ideas and questions, that would be the appropriate place to give direction to staff to put something like this on the follow-up log for a future meeting. Mm. Okay, good suggestion. We'll do that when we get there. Commissioner Velasquez. So um, just to be keep, uh, clear, I'm still getting everybody's names. Um, I have to scroll through the, the little icons of photos. Um, where did you go? Where did the lawyer go? Oh, he turns his camera off. Oh, no, there's, I, see I turn it off it. unless I'm speaking. <laughs> oh, well, it doesn't even show a black box. I need a black box. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, so just, now? Yes. Yeah. So just to be clear, um, if we were to vote on this, it would just be a vote um, specifically for this incident and anything else um, that we want to continue with would not reflect on this complaint here. Right. So the action, okay. you only have four actions. They all would be particular okay. to this complaint up to okay. four actions you could take. But as uh, uh, city clerk uh, Cuppy was mentioning, if this, you feel this complaint, uh, or enough of the commission members feel this complaint has brought up broader issues that are still ultimately within the purview of the commission, that uh, when we get to the comments and I think it's further business, that'd be the time to uh, direct Mindy okay. to okay. Uh, set that as a meeting item for the future. Okay, so does anybody else have any comments or should we move to action? I don't see any hands, although I've been known to miss them. Um, does anyone wanna make a motion? Or should I go over what the four possibilities are again? Or do you yes, have- Yes, please. Okay, number one, we could, direct the evaluator to conduct further investigation and report back to the commission. Number two, 
we could adopt a resolution finding that sufficient evidence exists to establish that a violation occurred. Number three, we could adopt a resolution finding that sufficient evidence does not exist to establish that a violation occurred and order the complaint be dismissed. Or four, we could pass a motion referring the complaint to the FPPC or another governmental agency. Is this where I can make a motion? Yes. I'd like to make a motion for number three to find that there is not substantial evidence. And, and ordering that the complaint be dismissed? Correct. I can, I can only remember five words. I couldn't do any more than that. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> Anybody want to second that? I'll second, I'll second it if nobody <laughs> else does. <laughs> All right, so should we vote on that now? Thank you. That was a motion by Commissioner Velasquez and a second by Chair Underwood. Commissioner, yes. Commissioner Adams? No. Commissioner Gomez? Yes. Commissioner Ng? I, um... I'll abstain from this. Commissioner Velasquez? No, I'm confused. I'm dismissing. I'm saying yes to dismiss, correct? Yes. Correct. Okay, yes. Yes, so this was adopting a resolution finding that sufficient evidence does not exist to establish that a violation occurred and ordering that the complaint be dismissed. Yes. Thank you. And Chair Underwood? Yes. The motion passes. Okay, so let's see. Thank you all. I now close the hearing at 6.45 p.m. Chair Underwood? Um, yes. The uh, further business, and, not further business, the um, comment opportunity I'd, um, for the commissioners, whether or not you want to set a meeting with this as an issue or have this be an agendized issue as far as... Um, policy oh yeah well we're not done with the agenda oh. that was just the hearing yeah, I, I, I confused the hearing with the meeting my apologies i know <laughs> well thank you for asking thank you for asking that though because i was ready to jump in like okay so when do we get it on the agenda right okay so we've done item five and item six actually we are now to commission comments ideas and questions so that's that's where we're up to and so it sounds like one thing we want to do is get this on the agenda for our next meeting to discuss this issue. Anybody else have any comments? Oh, Commissioner Adams. Let's say in addition to having those policies for the next meeting, I, I believe this is the first complaint that came in through our actual process that was set forth. Um, so I would be curious from um, the, the city staff side um, if the process seemed to function as planned or if, it, or, or if we should revisit um, the process for receiving complaints. That's a great question. 
So your idea is that we would talk about that at the next meeting? Next meeting, or if, if um, Mindy, if you or, or you know others may have insight now that you'd want to share, but if not, uh, at the next meeting. I think that's a great idea. Thank you. So, Mr. Miller, do you have anything you'd want to share now? Or? Um, I'm not sure if, if that was what Commissioner Adams was talking about, about my state of my stage of this, but uh, a complaint was referred to me. It was, a, you know, the form was well filled out so that I understood what facts were being alleged. I felt like I was able to investigate it and do my job without needing further back and forth. The city clerk's office communicated with me super efficiently when the complaint came in. Um, uh, so I, to, from my perspective, it worked very well and that allowed me to do what I did, what I do. Um, it worked very similarly to the way it works at other cities for whom I do similar work. So uh, no complaints for me. Great. Commissioner Gomez, your hand is up. Yeah, so we had the, I'm going back to look at our last meeting agenda, the review of the lobbyist registration and reporting code as something that was brought up and then there was a potential following up on that. So just wanted to like note that maybe we can add that to the follow-up for the subsequent meeting to talk about next steps there as well. Yeah, I'm not sure where we left that. Was the staff gonna do some work and get back to us? Um, we didn't have enough commissioner capacity to be able to work on it at that time. Um, so it was sort of deferred. Um, that's that's my remembering, but if other folks. Mr. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Commissioner Gomez. That was also my understanding that at the time there was not um, direction to move forward on the lobbyist ordinance. Um, and then there were just two other items that I had questions about or just comments. Um, one is I'm just wondering, are there any um, timeline considerations around our ability to meet virtually that we should be aware of as it relates to the Brown Act? Because um, I know that there's changes with the um, pandemic, like what has been allowed or not allowed during the pandemic and now that we're at this stage of things. So yeah, I was going to bring that up, too, because state agencies are now, I know my husband's on a board and they have been ordered to go back to meeting in person. They, they can't, the, the authorization to meet virtually expired, and so they were required to go back to meeting in person. So, um, so I, I wondered what it was happening with the city. So, commissioners, I can address that, if I may. Um, AB 361 allows us to create findings that the city council has continued to adopt. We do expect that the city council will go back into in-person meetings in July, just after the recess, and then commissions will follow the following month. And there's, um, it, it, there's no um, opportunities to, like being virtual is really helpful for me for being able to participate because um, it's hard to uh, get downtown within the time frame. I'm just wondering, are there any like opportunities for remaining virtual or that's kind of after July, their commissions will just start to come to in person full stop. 
So that's I, the decision. Yeah, I believe there is legislation in place that is moving forward, but at this time we will go back to the Brown Act as it as it once stood um, pre-pandemic, pre um, and there will not be an opportunity to be remote. Bummer. <laughs> yes. We do anticipate. We do anticipate that members of the public will still be able to participate remotely, but the Brown Act would not allow commissioners to. Mm. Nice. Commissioner Ng, you, your hand is up. Yes, I. Um, this question is directed to Ms. Miller, and um, you know, for the first case, for the first hearing, I know we directed you to do a second report, and so I just want to know how often. And I know this is the first time, you know, but you know, is that? anything that we could we you know the commissioners too could do better or 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 direct you to be more like um in depth in your investigation or does this happen because i don't know okay this is just the first time so, you know, it was an unusual situation where the evening before your hearing, the anonymous complainant submitted a long, long, long multi-page set of comments. Um, so I, I think it's complete. First of all, it's always within your purview to disagree with my recommendation and tell me to go do something different. That's why you're the commissioners and I'm just your evaluator. But in this particular situation, I, I, I don't have any... Um, lessons learned for you, I think, uh, under the circumstances, seemed very appropriate to do. It's not an unusual, in my experience, that there is the need for additional investigation or to, I may be comfortable with something from my perspective and you need, you commissioners need more work on a particular area or you want to hear a particular witness. So uh, I'm sort of stammering here, but I have no problem with your direction to seek further investigation. It's uh, whatever it takes for you all to be comfortable with doing your job is what you need to do. Great. Commissioner Adams. Commissioner Velasquez's hand was right before mine. Okay. Um, somehow you came onto my screen first. Commissioner That's okay. Velasquez. Go ahead. Go ahead, Adams. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, so I had two comments. One was uh, to the uh, conversation about the Brown Act. I do recall prior to the pandemic, myself and former um, Commissioner Moylan had both appeared remotely, and we did have to comply with public posting procedures and allow members of the public to attend in our location if they would like to. Um, would that still would that be allowed again um, once um, you know once we are fully back in person? Yeah, so Commissioner, I believe you're referring to um, if you participate remotely, we do have to post a notice um, at the remote location. You would have to allow members of the public to attend um, and participate um, at your remote location. And at this time, we're not offering that for commissions due to staffing. Um, it's, ju it's just um, unyieldy. Okay, thank you. Um, and then my second, just with, you know, having uh, 
Chair uh, Underwood read, you know, the different options several times and FPPC um, started sticking to my mind. I, I recall, I believe in 2019 that um, the inaugural commission reviewed the contract that the city had at the time with the FPPC, but, and I think the following year, the FPPC gave us a presentation about their work, but I haven't heard anything about if the city is still contracting with the FPPC, and if so, if we would need to review their contract. So I, I would be curious if, um, there's still a role for us with regards to that relationship? And if so, that's something that we can have agendized for a future meeting. I will add that to the list for a future meeting. Great. Okay, Commissioner Velasquez. Um, I had a, a question for Mr. Miller. Um, I think it was um, possibly a, que a question that Commissioner Gomez had. Uh, we're we're receiving complaints via email, and that's um, that's how you're um, sort of dissecting all. Is that right? It's just whatever they put in an email in whatever format that they choose. That's how you're receiving complaints. So I'll say my my answer to your question, but then you may want to hear from the city clerk. I mean, complaints don't get submitted to me; they get submitted to the city clerk. Right, right. And I'm not. I, I, she, uh, the clerk, accepts them in in, in multiple formats. Yeah. But it, when they, by the time they get referred to me, I guess because of the pandemic, but maybe in general, they're attached to an email and sent to me. <clears throat> and under the commission's rules, I conduct a preliminary evaluation based exclusively on the complaint. I conduct no external investigation of all, at all, just to see and ascertain whether the complaint itself meets a threshold sufficiency standard um, that it merits an actual investigation. And I do that based only on the information that Mindy sends me, not on anything else that I look right. outside the, I don't look outside the complaint. Does right. that answer I, your question? Um, I. Um, Pretty much. Um, I apologize. Yeah, I'm aware that um, Mindy receives them first. So I guess this is a question for Mindy, too. Um, I don't know how it would work, but would it make it easier at all if it was it was funneled with, with some sort of template instead of just sort of like a email of verbiage? Is that a problem for anybody or is this how it's working fine? Yes, Commissioner, it is an online web form is typically how we receive complaints, but we also will take something um, via email, um, via phone, um, or even handwritten, but there is okay. an online web form. Okay. So there is a form that we hope that people will use. It's helpful if they do. Okay. Okay, anybody else? Um, so I just want to note, um, uh, I'm, I want to say Mindy, but then I know we're supposed to use like the title for clerk cuppy, um, <laughs> um, are, if we could just keep abreast of any potential changes around the possibility of remote access to commissions, it's just, uh, this is important to me. Um, and I'm sure maybe not. I don't want to speak for others on this commission, but accessibility for transportation to getting um, places after work can sometimes be a challenge and having this remote access has been really helpful. So should there be changes that the council is considering or that there's legislation statewide that impacts this? I'd love for us to just like keep updated on 
um, what those are. And then if there are opportunities for like comment or influence in that area um, to just let us know, that would be great. Yes, it's something I'm, I'm watching very closely. I personally am really looking forward to going back to meeting in person, but I recognize that you have problems with getting downtown in time. It's so nice to sit Full in. Time, I, I like in-person stuff too, Commissioner Underwood, like preference for virtual, but with the whole full-time job, other responsibilities, no, it can be a challenge to make it all work. And actually, have we been virtual the whole time you've been on the commission? Yeah. <laughs> what about what about timing wise? Uh, is time a uh, effective for you? Well, because this time is great for me now. Uh, so maybe <laughs> once we get closer to the council comes in person, maybe we just keep this sort of on the agenda to discuss how a change back to in-person is a, is a big change. It is for me. Um, so uh, we just keep it on our, on our radar as it comes up. Okay. Commissioner Velasquez, did you have your hand up again? I did. I wish there was a, a little side chat on this. Um, I just wanted to, um, to piggyback on Commissioner Gomez's comment that, yeah, I would be interested in having that conversation as well for different reasons. Um, the, the timing, if when we do go back, I live in Midtown and there's ter parking is terrible here. So once I leave my spot, I'm done. Um, so the, the time of the day would, would make a difference too. So I'd be interested okay. in talking about that later. Well, we, we do get free parking for meetings in the city council garage. Oh no, I when I come home, my spot's oh. gone. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, any other comments? Okay, is there any public comment on matters not on the agenda? Chair, I show no hands raised to make public comment for matters not on the agenda. Well, I think that brings us to adjournment then. Anybody else have anything you want to say before we adjourn? Uh, I do. This is Nicole. Uh, I'm writing a little cheat sheet of how we're supposed to refer to each other. Um, Chair Underwood, Commissioner Gomez, Commissioner Adams, Commissioner New, New, Ing, Ing, okay, Ing, yeah. and Ing, and is it Mr. Miller or is there another? Mr. Miller is just fine. Um, okay. I certainly respect your authority, but if you called me Steve, I would answer to that too. <laughs> and is it and he, he won't he won't necessarily be here at meetings because. He only comes if we've got a, um, a complaint that oh. he's been investigating. Oh, okay. And is it Clerk Cuppy? That's correct. Okay. Oh, and Mr. Lindsay, is it Mr. Lindsay? Yes, that's fine. Okay. Did I miss anybody? No, I think that's everybody. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, well, we're now coming to adjournment at 7.02 p.m. This meeting is adjourned. <laughs>